Hi, everyone. Welcome to Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dom Zudi. Thank you so much for joining us. Of course, it is the May 28, 2021 edition. We're right on the cusp of Memorial Day weekend, so we hope you and your family are going to be able to enjoy yourselves, whether it be sunny or soggy, that you're having a good time. Let's get to today's show. The Denver Community Task Force has released its report on the city's police reform just in time for the one-year anniversary of the George Floyd protest. After seven months of research and deliberation, the task force delivered 112 recommendations that apply to the city's police, jails, social services, and judicial system. Patty Calhoun from Westward, uh, there are a lot of proposals here. It came from a large community group. It's technically unofficial because it didn't, you know, it's, not, it's not a government task force or anything like that, but it was delivered both to the city council and the mayor of Denver. Uh, what effect do you think these recommendations are going to have? Well, first, it's what effect the last year has had on Denver police. And when you think about it, it was one year ago today that the first demonstrations were in Denver, three years, uh, three days after the death of George Floyd. And those were really five days that shook the city because of how the police responded, because of how many people really got woke. When you think about it, no one had paid attention really to Elijah McClain's death in Aurora the preceding August. And all of a sudden now we still we have four investigations into it. We had the very, very quick action by the Colorado legislature passing a bill that had been proposed before pandemic but updated for police reform. You had this task force set up which worked hard even after the uh, Department of Safety pulled out of it, but came up with 112 recommendations, some smart, some impossible probably for the city to deal with. But council has its own task force set up to look at what they recommended. You see people taking things very, very seriously. Even city council in its new budget priorities for 2022 is putting equity at the top of their considerations. Everything should be viewed through that lens. That's a big change over the last year. Krista Kafer, columnist for the Denver Post. It's great to have you here in person. It's been a while, so it's great to have you here. Um, for any reform to be effective, you need to hear from a lot of different voices. And this certainly cons- uh, are a lot of recommendations from a great big group in the community. How do you think they'll be received and uh, worked with within the city council and the mayor? Well, you know, a voice really wasn't included, and that is the police. They ended up not being heard, so they sort of formally walked out of the process, having their voice being ignored. And when I look at some of the things in this report, I see that uh, a lot of voices really were, were ignored. I remember what Denver looked like back in the late 80s, early 90s, where you had graffiti, crime. Nobody wanted to go downtown. Nobody wanted to buy a house downtown. You had vagrants everywhere. I remember getting accosted by a vagrant. And then the city cleaned up, and and due in part to the efforts of police. We had this great city where people were buying downtown, going downtown, and now I feel like we're moving in the opposite direction. You look at some of the things in this report, free and you know these so-called safe injection sites. Like who who wants that in their backyard? Or not allowing the police to deal with vagrants. Uh, vagrants are one of the reasons that I don't go downtown anymore. I don't need to see trash and squalor and meth use and needles. Um, there is a sense of enabling people to make bad decisions, and those bad decisions then end up having an impact on all of us. I, I, there's probably a, one or two good things in this report, uh, but the fact that the police and other uh, you know, bodies that deal with law-abiding citizens and making sure that we have a safe community were ignored, it's uh, based on what I've seen, I'm hoping the reports were, is, is largely ignored. 
Natasha Gardner, freelance journalist, uh, we come to you. Uh, you author the Denver newsletter uh, on a regular basis, so you've seen the the various conversations about this not only over the past year, but you know for a long time here in Denver. And I imagine that between the mayor of Denver, Michael Hancock, and the city council, probably different reactions from both uh, officials. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how it's received. How do you think it's going to play out? I think first and foremost, it's important to realize how um, this moment is part of such a larger narrative, something that spans back, of course, this past year, but even um, far beyond that, decades into Denver's history. And, and it's an important part of that conversation. But it's interesting that despite that, we have 100 and plus recommendations coming out of the committee. That means there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, and I think it'll be more than one or two that are, that are certainly implemented. Um, what will be key? component here is how do we remain accountable to the voices that did give input to, to this report? How do we start chipping away at this very long list of recommendations to figure out what's best for our communities, what um, makes them places that, that we truly are inspired by and want to, to live in? Um, for me, one of the important moments, though, on this, this year anniversary of this great change that happened um, in the city, across the country, and then even on an international basis, is how important an individual is. And certainly the murder of George Floyd um, was, was the start of this. But I think in particular, the young woman who took that footage and by taking that footage showed a, a vantage point of what happens in this country to the rest of the world. And it's just a great example of how the individual actions can truly have an impact that can lead to a report and a recommendation list like we have here, but so much other changes happening in our community. Let's just hope that it continues. And making his premiere in Colorado Inside Out, it's great to have Dr. Timothy Tyler, uh, a, um, a pastor and a community organizer. Dr. Tyler, it's wonderful to have you on the program. Uh, there are a lot of uh, proposals here, 112 ideas. Clearly, it was a long process from a lot of different folks in the community. How do you think they'll be received by city officials, and what do you foresee as the next steps? Well, I, and I think, it's a, I think it's a good report. I think that some will receive it, some won't. Uh, especially in our mayor's office over the years, he's been very slow to hear what the community has to say. The reason why the police department and the uh, officials walked away from the table is because not that they weren't being heard, but they were unwilling to listen. But uh, this group has come up with at least five different categories that that we need to hear. We're all we're we're talking a lot about uh, this week the anniversary of George Floyd. And uh, our city officials are great about talking about something that happened somewhere else. But we have our own record of a Marvin, a Marvin Booker who was murdered, a Michael Marshall who was murdered. And so uh, what Denver and Denver's officials will have to learn to do is listen about what happens in its own backyard as much as we commemorate the anniversary of abuse in other places. Well, moving on to other topics, who would have ever guessed that you might win a million dollars just for being vaccinated? That's right. In an effort to slow the decline in vaccinations, Governor Jared Polis has diverted $5 million from a promotional fund meant for vaccination promotions into basically a vaccination lottery. So uh, all you've got to do is five vaccine recipients will receive $1 million if each, if their name is chosen. Uh, Krista, we start with you. This this feels like such an American solution to an American problem. I, I can't imagine people in India right now saying, well, I was thinking about vaccinated, but really you're going to have to convince me with a lottery. But 
Maybe I'm being cynical. It would not have been the first time. Uh, your thoughts? I don't think you can out cynic me. And let me just say this. I, uh, I'm fully vaccinated. I got a vaccine early because mm-hmm. I do substitute teaching. I've advocated for, for getting a vaccination. Um, vaccinations across the board, uh, even before COVID. I love vaccinations. And so to me, getting a vaccine, particularly the COVID-19 vaccine, is all about being an adult and taking care of your body and taking care of your community by not allowing that disease to transfer from you to other people. And so, yeah, I'm a little critical of people who don't get vaccinated. Obviously, it's their body. They can make that decision for themselves. But it seems to me that it is the responsible adult thing to do. When did we start paying people to do the adult thing to do? Um, you know, between this and then now the governor wants to give away money to people who, you know, aren't working to get them to go back to work. You know what? Being an adult has some responsibilities and keeping your body healthy, working, things like this. It's just things that people ought to do on their own. Wasting taxpayer money on paying people to do the right thing strikes me as really the most asinine thing I can think of. That said, I wouldn't mind winning, winning the money. <laughs> I'm with you. I wouldn't give back the million bucks. I have a, Here's my vaccination card. Give me the million dollars. But it still seems a little bit weird. Natasha, we go to you. It's, it's a little, it's inventive, uh, but also a little unseemly. Uh, where do you land on the idea? Well, and look at all the free press. I mean, this is the type of thing where you can spend a lot of money on an advertising campaign. You can spend a lot of money trying to convince people to do what's the right thing here. Um, or you can offer them a million dollars and every news station's talking about it. It's all over Twitter and social media. People are checking the registry to make sure that they're up. And, and, and just as a PSA, people should definitely check the registry. If you have been vaccinated, make sure your name is on there because there, there are some glitches in the system so far. But, you know, I think that so far, Colorado is not made it to the list of states that have reached the 70 percent um, level. If this help get, gets us there, I, I'm going to say that seems like a, a good risk. And I'm willing to play the odds here. You know, this seems like a, a fun way to um, take a really morbid, um, sad moment and, and do something good. And how lucky are we? Yeah, how lucky are we indeed? That's a great question. Dr. Tyler, we throw it to you. You work with a lot of different folks in the community. Do you think an idea like this is going to make a difference? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I had when I uh, just hearing this question and I know I have my collar on, so I'm not sure if I should say I'm excited about this thing about lottery. Uh, And I did wonder if I could get some more vaccinations for myself. Uh, But on a serious note, I I hope that it helps. Uh, We've been holding clinics at our church and really trying to focus on people of color and black people. Uh, we are the ones who have suffered most from this pandemic, and yet uh, our numbers are falling short in terms of percentages getting vaccinated. And so uh, I- I'm just at this point, and we're seeing the decline of people willing to get vaccinated. So at this point, we're hoping that if this works, then good. And uh, someone's going to be uh, uh, at least five people, I guess, will be millionaires out of this experience. And uh, I've been praying to God. So, <laughs> Yeah. I think that's a, a great source. You, you, you may have an inside track here, Dr. Tyler, so uh, we'll, we'll be uh, uh, pulling for you here. Uh, Patty, you know, maybe we need to really embrace this idea. If we throw in maybe a lifetime pass to Chick-fil-A or <laughs> In-N-Out Burger, you, get, you know, you get to cut the line of In-N-Out Burger and Lone Tree. Will that convince somebody to get a vaccination? We'll, we'll try anything once. Your thoughts? I think really the million dollars might be enough of an incentive for the more so than cutting the line at Chick-fil-A, maybe Bandamere. You know, that's probably got a group of anti-vaxxers who are going there. 
the biggest the issue here five million dollars sounds like a lot but when you take it from an ad promotion budget natasha's right this is getting much more than five million dollars worth of publicity it is going to help up to be cynical I mean, sorry, Krista, but it is going to get people out for a million dollars rather than a Chick-fil-A sandwich. They will go. They will register. But also, I'm hoping the state doesn't wind up with a lawsuit from all the people who are not registered. I went in at four in the morning. I see I'm not. My mother's not. We, in our office, at least half the people who are vaccinated aren't on the list yet. So the state is really going to have to scramble to make sure it's fair under these crazy circumstances because, you know, you also have weird Colorado rules about lotteries and sweepstakes and drawings, and the state was very careful to make sure this threaded the needle on the legalities. But if somehow people who are vaccinated aren't on the list, I think we'll wind up seeing a lot of discordant notes that might cost us $5 billion in publicity. I, I love that we're on the cusp here of like a conspiracy paradox because <laughs> I, I, I can't get the vaccination because it's a government thing, but they don't have me registered, so they better get me registered so I can get my million dollars if I do get uh, it. It's going to be great. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. The Colorado Supreme Court issued an opinion this week that a bill headed to Governor Polis's desk is legal, determining that voters had already consented to the motion. The bill would allow school districts to raise property taxes without a vote from residents. If made into law, the proposal is expected to raise hundreds of millions of dollars for school districts around the state. Natasha, we start with you on this one. Uh, this feels like a little bit of a workaround with a certain law that was passed in a certain election in 1992. Can't remember the name of it, but... I don't know. It's one thing to get an opinion. It's not a ruling. It's an opinion. Uh, is, is this a free pass or a ticket to a lawsuit about a year from now? I think that I think that word starts with a T. Maybe taper. Is that what what you're searching for? Um, yes. What? Yet yeah, yeah, another week on the show, and, and this conversation about taper comes up again and again because it is so complicated. And this particular issue is no less complicated than any other times that we've talked about on the show. So hopefully, I'm going to get this right. But yes, the bill passed, and the question was, would it work under our current rules? So the Supreme Court says yes. And part of the reason for that is that most school districts had already waived these limits. Um, on a local level to allow for for these changes to be made. So what had happened is that the Department of Education had come in and and said, let's hold off on that. Don't do those yet. And now with this ruling, they will slowly be able to start um, implementing what the voters had approved in those local school district waivers. I hope I got that right. If not, someone please correct me. But at the end of the day, I think what this means, the short headline is that ultimately school districts in Colorado may see some increases in the amount of money that is going to the per pupil basis, which um, after a very tumultuous school year seems like a good thing. Natasha, we're, all of our esteemed lawyers are all out early on holiday uh, weekend, so we're taking your comments as legal opinion. So if folks want to start to, I'm just, I'm just teasing Natasha, it's not a problem. Uh, Dr. Tyler, let's throw it to you. Uh, education funding in Colorado has been talked about for a long, long time, probably since the first school was opened in Colorado. Uh, what do you think about this development? I, I think it might be okay. I'm, I'm very, very... Uh, I'm hesitant about it. I, I am not a fan of that T word, Tabor, <laughs> uh, because I think that our, our educational institutions have been lacking in terms of funding. Uh, but, and, and especially, uh, I agree also coming out of this pandemic, uh, 
minority children, black children, children of color, uh, all many of our children will, will uh, need to, to have funding to catch up with, with where they should be. And we're very concerned about that. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I, I'm not convinced that, that, I can only speak for Denver public schools, I'm not convinced that they always see the light in terms of where these funds should go and how they should be spent. And so uh, I think, I hope that we'll look at this action uh, carefully uh, before we uh, give whole heart, a whole heart, whole throated uh, uh, approval of it. Well said, Patty. As uh, we look at property taxes already in Colorado, it's not as if they need any help um, ha uh, creating sticker shock for most people opening up of what their assessments say now. And now that there is seemingly a gate for uh, many school districts across the state to ratchet that up even more, I think this is going to get some attention. What do you think? Well, you're absolutely right, because not only will it raise money for schools, but it is going to raise hackles on property owners who already are getting their big, big surprise as the result of a, a ballot initiative we passed a year ago and that removed the Gallagher Amendment. And all of a sudden, we're going to see homeowners paying a lot more in property tax, even though that wasn't supposed to happen. But clearly, it is going to happen. So if you've looked at your assessment, I'm sure you're surprised even beyond all the stories about how hot real estate is. Everybody is hot about how high their property taxes are. Krista, I read the story and I felt that uh, somewhere John Caldera and Michael <laughs> Fields were just licking their chops ready to go to the ballot box with something because I think this is one of those uh, Democratic candidates have done very well in Colorado, but ballot issues still, we, the, the state still swings libertarian, even a little red in some cases. How do you uh, think, I guess my question is, this fight doesn't seem over, is it? I hope it's not over. I mean, this is not the only time that they've tried to make an end around Tabor, right? So there's this. There's also this this bill with the transportation fees, which is another end around Tabor. And I, I, it's very frustrating as a taxpayer. I have voted for mill levy overrides in the past. I just want to be asked. Just ask me. That's all I want. Just ask me if you if I want to raise my taxes. And you know what? I might actually say yes. I'm with Justice Boatwright, who wrote in the dissent that this this is a basically violates the plain language of the Constitution, which says that you have to ask for permission. And uh, I I'm hoping that uh, that. John Caldera has got something up his sleeve. <laughs> I can't imagine him and Michael Field sitting around like, eh, we'll let it go. No, this, it's going to be a very interesting November. Denver Public Schools named a new superintendent this week, Dr. Alex Marrero, formerly the assistant superintendent at East Ramapo Central School District in New York. Marrero says his priority will be making the education system more equitable for all students. We were just talking about education, Dr. Tyler. What do you think about this new appointment? Many of us, uh, by uh, surprise, uh, there was a group that were that there was a group of uh, black parents and citizens who were asking the school board to delay this decision for a year to abandon the process and to go with uh, the temporary leadership. And then uh, there was a group asking them to uh, choose the superintendent of the Aurora School District because he was a, a local person. Uh, so this has really caused quite an uproar and quite a, a few factions in the in the community. Uh, also, there were those who were saying that uh, this gentleman has not uh, given leadership to a large uh, school district like DPS. I think they said he's only been over about 10 schools or so. 
but uh, I'm wishing him well, and uh, I hope the community will give him the latitude and the support uh, to give leadership to our, our uh, DPS uh, school district. We need it. Uh, we, we're not in the best place right now. And so uh, we're going to give him our support and I'm asking everyone to give him support and let's see where where his leadership will take us. Patty, the whole idea of how uh, districts pick superintendents is under the microscope. How did this process go? What do you think of the, the new superintendent? Well, they were fairly transparent in this process. You got to, they announced the finalists. You got to watch the finalists in our town hall. But people were still upset about it, both Latina parents, uh, black parents, I'm sure Everybody, all other parents were upset. He doesn't have a lot of leadership of a big district, but there is a group that should show leadership here, and that is the Board of Education for DPS. That was really one of the reasons we lost a superintendent who was homegrown by Susana Cordova, by all accounts, was doing a really good job except for her interactions with the board, and that was much more their fault than hers. So let's hope they learned a lesson from this and they give him a good shot. Kristen, when you're not writing for the Denver Post, you were a teacher at many levels of education. Uh, what kind of impact can a new superintendent have, especially in Colorado's biggest district? Well, he's got his work cut out for him. As you mentioned, I was a substitute teacher all semester, and the uh, the effect of COVID policies on these kids, uh, particularly in low-income schools, cannot be overstated. Children were kept out of school, both by the system and by parent choices, and asked to do online learning, which is very difficult for a lot of kids. So I talked to kids who said, yeah, I, I haven't learned anything all year. Um, oh, I never logged on. I have got, I've got a computer. I could have logged on, but I never logged on. I saw kids that had virtually no education for an entire year. And so what is true of... Uh, of, of where I was, where I was uh, um, subbing, which was uh, Jeffco schools, it is equally true for Denver. You've got a lot of kids who missed a lot of content, and this new superintendent's got his work cut out for him. Natasha, big shoes to fill, and uh, recovering from a once every hundred years pandemic. Uh, what do you think about uh, the new superintendent? Well, I, I think this is an interesting moment because I, I have to give kudos to anyone who applies to a superintendent position right now. You know, when you look at that job description, it would have been a, a difficult position before the pandemic. And as we've already discussed, it's just gotten um, more more difficult over the past year. So uh, I'm really interested to see how we can reset for our kids. You know, in, in particular, um, this week, Children's Hospital Colorado came out and declared a public mental health state of emergency for our, our children. So when you add that on to, again, all the problems that were happening in our school system before um, COVID-19 became a part of our everyday life, uh, this is going to be a very pivotal time that it's going to be both, yes, about what kids learn in the classroom, but also um, how they grow as individuals and how we take care of their mental health. And that's got to be the first priority for any leadership position in a school, um, but certainly across an entire school district. Well, it's time for a very favorite part of the show, Disgrace of the Week. As always, Ms. Calhoun, please start us off. Well, let me echo Natasha, because the announcement that it's a state of emergency for children for mental health that came from Children's Hospital is really a wake-up call. We should all take that $5 million and help the kids who have had this incredible year of limbo that has done far more damage than I think any of us have realized. Adults can kind of figure it out, be bored take care of themselves, you hope, stay safe. But for kids, it has been very, very tough. Krista. 
You know what? Uh, I'm going to give the, the shame of the week to, uh, to our governor, and that is in offering to give people $1,200 to $1,600 for going back to work. Uh, going back to work, you should work as an adult. Care for yourself, care for your family. And quite a few people took a paid vacation last year. They took unemployment when, in fact, they weren't actually looking for a job. I see more of that as a continuation of taking from people who do work and giving it to people who don't really want to work. Natasha, we go to you for your disgrace of the week. This happened a few weeks ago, but I haven't had a chance to bring it up, and I'm still really um, surprised by it. A few weeks ago, there was a volleyball tournament in uh, Denver, and there were some moms who were breastfeeding who were not able to bring their kids into the venue. Um, the specifics of the cases is less of my concern right now, and more often the message that we send to our young women um, about the workplace and um, parenthood and what they can and cannot do. I do hope that in 2021 and beyond that we can start to change that conversation. Dr. Tyler, what's your disgrace of the week? Uh, I think I'm going to go outside of Colorado for a minute. Uh, Dr. Nicole Hannah-Jones, professor at UNC, uh, the uh, board refused to give her tenure. uh, And uh, I thought that was a disgrace. And she is the author of the uh, 1860-19 project. And so uh, a little bit of racism showing there at the University of North Carolina. Well, let's say something nice about somebody rather quickly. Patty? Just remembering everyone who gave their lives for this country over Memorial Day and the opportunity for us to go back outside and rediscover Denver. You're here. Krista? Great one, Patty. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give it to Independence Institute for having a mask burning party. It's a creative way to let go of what has been a very difficult year. Natasha, we go to you for your Say Something Nice. Uh, we spent a lot of time talking about education today. I'm going to flip the script a little bit and just say congratulations to all the graduates, the students that are finishing up today. They have taken on so much during this pandemic and often done it with more grace than the adults that they are surrounded by. So kudos to every student who's finishing out their school year. And Dr. Tyler, it's time to say something nice. Uh, grateful to all of our health care workers who have uh, who have put their lives on the line to help us to live and survive. And we're grateful to them. And uh, we're praying for their safety as we still move towards the end of this pandemic. And if you miss our special live event on Wednesday, don't worry. You still have an opportunity to watch and donate at your leisure. You can catch the full program on the PBS 12 YouTube channel or go to pbs12.org slash support CIO to donate to make another 29 seasons happen. It was really a lot of fun to uh, have a whole panel here talking to some super fans and other questions from you. And on uh, mentioned, piggybacking on what Patty said, uh, as you celebrate, commemorate this Memorial Day, we think about all the people who paid the ultimate sacrifice for our freedoms. And freedom of speech is one of them. And that freedom of speech means that we can say anything we want. We can say something hurtful. We can say something vile online. Or we can look at people across the street or around our life and call them friend or neighbor. We have the freedom to use either one. And I think thinking about the kind of sacrifice people paid, what would they, how would they want us to use the right that they sacrificed so much for? Just something I thought about today that I thought I would share. I hope all of you have a wonderful weekend or a wonderful celebration of this important holiday weekend. For everybody here at PBS 12 and Colorado Inside Out, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you so much for watching. Good night.